Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It's March 30th, 2021. I'm Gavin Pickin, a software consultant for Auto Solutions, and I've got the Command Box creator himself, Brad Wood, along with me today. How you doing, Brad? Just uh, like, I, like I told you before the show, just copying and pasting documentation links into Slack for people. It's my job title. <laughs> yep, King Copier. <laughs> <laughs> I should write a command that does that. And we have commands that interact with Slack, and I could interact with the, the documentation. I, I needed a Slack command that goes to command box and just grabs the documentation link and sticks it in. Well, funnily enough, you talk about something like that. We have uh, our VS Code hint tip and trick of the day. Gives <laughs> another type of search from the VS Code. Ooh. And it searches a different service. We'll tell you about that a little later. Yeah, teaser. But, but first. now we can make one for command box too. That'd be kind of cool. Get documentation searcher for uh, some of our Autist tools. That might be kind of nice. Right on VS Code. That would be kind of cool. So very good. For, our podcast is done. We, we've had a brilliant idea for the day. Yep. We can exactly. all go home now. <laughs> well, first, let's thank our sponsors before we're done here. <laughs> Thanks, mm-hmm. Order Solutions. Uh, and just for those of you that don't know, Order Solutions are the maker of Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, Test Box, and almost every other box out there. Not every box, but almost. Um, but uh, again, without them, we wouldn't be able to make this uh, podcast possible. So a few ways you can say thank you back to Auto Solutions if you like this podcast. Hopefully you do. Um, you can like and subscribe our videos on YouTube. Uh, we're trying to push our numbers of subscribers up on YouTube. So please go and do that. And we can also have you sign up for a free or paid account on CFCast, which is releasing new content every week. Uh, some of content is paid, um, but a lot of it is free as well. And we have some pretty great content, and we'll cover that a little later in the show as well. And then a new way that you can support Order Solutions is by buying this new book that Luis has put together with a lot of the other Order's team members, 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks. And that's available up on Gumroad right now for purchase. So we'll have the link a little later as well. But uh a big part of this podcast um, being possible is our Patreon supporters too, Brad, right? We got 36 patrons now providing almost 80% of the podcast funding. So Luis is like, finally, I can put some more money back to the open source again. <laughs> <laughs> this so, podcast has been sucking all the money out of open. No, not really. Yeah. Yeah. No. I remember back when we only had like five Patreon supporters. I, I wondered if the Cold Fusion community was big enough to actually get much more than that, but happy to be proven wrong yeah we added a few perks which we'll talk about at the patreon piece but those perks have definitely helped um, bump that number up uh, you know because a lot of times people were supporting orders but in different ways so we've tried to give them the one route through patreon and they get all those perks which they were paying for anyway so this is kind of a, a nice way to see our support numbers so we have 36 patreons supporting us for 79 percent of the funding of this podcast and you can find out more at patreon.com slash order solutions and find a package that might suit you if you want to you know fork over your hard-earned money to support the podcast so thank you to those who do and we'll give you a list of them at the end of the show okay before we leave the show brad we should probably talk about some news and events that's kind of what we're here right so, this is the news edition. Yep, it is. So why don't you talk about the CF Config update that we released last week? Um, I can do that. You gotta remind me, what did I release? 
Well, remember, uh, for those of you that might have missed it, Adobe released some updates to their uh, Adobe CF that engines, one. and we had to update command box versions for everybody, and there was a couple you know, of weird things that happened, and you had to figure out why. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny, because I had a couple different reports for CF config not working, but it turned out that only one of them was actually a bug. Uh, one of them turned out that this would be a uh, misunderstanding, which I'll mention as well, because not everybody would... It's the second time it had been brought up. So, yeah, the first problem was... Um, you know, CF config reads and writes XML files, you know, behind the scenes that the Adobe Cold Fusion parses when it, it reads your configuration. And so Adobe did some subtle changes in how they uh, they parse the XML file for your data sources. And as soon as the update dropped for the new 2016, 2018, and 2021 servers, um, people started booting up their servers on the latest version and it would come up and say the data source the service is unavailable and other data sources would be there and the admin would blow up. Um, so it was a simple fix, just a, a slightly catastrophic behavior. That's why I wish we had the chance to test these updates before they were public. But I had it fixed by the next day, had to bump up CF config. And unfortunately there's, there's no way to force people to update CF config, which is why I always say, make sure you get the command box update check module Every time, it won't do it more than once a day, but every time you start command box, um, it'll do a quick check and it'll say if your CLI is outdated or if any of your system modules are outdated. And it's really nice. That way, if you know John Burquest updates CF format or you know any of your system modules, uh, Eric updates you know, the .emv, next time you, you know, next day you come in, you start command box, you'll be like, oh, we got three things out of date. You can instantly update them. Um, there's quite a few people for the next couple of days would come and be like, oh no, I updated and it doesn't work. And it's like, hold on. CF config, we've already fixed it. You just got to get on the latest version of everything. The second thing that was reported to me, which turned out to not be a bug, it was just, oh yeah, okay, I guess that is how it should work, is um, somebody said the enable robust um, exception handling um, setting doesn't work. They said, I set it with CF config and I don't get the robust errors. Um, hmm. That's actually working as designed. It doesn't work unless you have the debugging module installed in Cold Fusion. So CF config will write the setting in the appropriate place in the appropriate file. But if you haven't installed the debugging module in ColdFusion 2021, the setting's not going to do anything. Now, I'm not a fan of that because I think that's like a, first of all, there's no real point in, you know, externalizing what's essentially an if statement to, you know, put some more stuff in the page. I don't think Adobe did themselves any, any services as far as shrinking the installation size of, you know, of Cold Fusion by exporting a single if statement that puts some additional information. But I had actually, I had debated with Priyanka a bit, telling them that I thought that should just be something that worked out of the box without having to install a debugging module. You know, it's not really like an add-on service. It's just like, you know, hey, show me a real error page. But anyway, yeah. Um, so that one turned out to not be a problem, but still something to keep in mind that you have to have the debugging module installed for some of those debugging settings to work. Um, so even though you set the setting with, CF config, it won't do anything without the module. Yeah. Um, Charlie uh, asked in the chat here if this data source XML problem was only noticed in command box. Um, there's, the answer is yes, it was probably only noticed in command box, but probably the majority of people using CF config are command box users. So if you were using CF config to import data sources into a standard installation of Adobe Cold Fusion 2021, you would have also had the same problem. Um, but, you know, probably 95% of all the people using CF config also happen to be using command box. So that was the, the user base that, that, you know, hit it right away. Yeah. We had the, by we, I mean, John Clausen had the, the latest Adobe engines up on Forgebox within a day of Adobe releasing them. So, you know, people were just instantly 
you know, using them right away. I've, I've actually found that people using command box are faster to get on the newer updates when they come out. Um, in fact, oftentimes it just happens automatically. If they have their command box server.json set to just grab the latest, you know, they'll come in the next day, restart the server, and like, boom, they just updated, they didn't even think about it. Now, we wouldn't want that in production, but for development, it's very quick and easy for people to update and to roll back, which is the nice thing. Um, and so that people were hitting the new updates faster on command box. Um, yeah, so it would definitely only be people using cfconfig. Yeah, so not too many people would have jumped on and downloaded and installed that server You use the cfconfig in the same day or two that we, we noticed this issue. But it could have happened, but we just didn't hear from them. So <laughs> Yeah, those files are all in WDDX, which is a real verbose XML format. And Adobe did some slight change to how they parse it. Um, so it was an easy fix, but obviously I don't have any visibility to when they do that. So we just have to, you know, test the new versions when they come out. Yep. So again, just in case you missed it, yeah, so Adobe released updates for 2021, 2018, and even 2016, uh, last week. And so the CF config stuff is good. And with some positive news too, with, with that Adobe 2021 finally supports cold box, right? They finally fixed a couple of the issues we had. So it's running. Yeah, update one does have the fix that allows the Coldbox framework to actually run on ColdFusion 2021. So there are about a five-month span of, uh, of Coldbox users saying, hey, can we update to 2021? And we're like, no, no, you can't. Um, so that was a good thing. Um, there, there was quite a, a selection of, um, of fixes there. Yep. And then, uh, of course, like you said, we already have the command box images updated. That was like the day, the next day, um, they were released. And then John also got to work on the Docker images. So our Docker version 3.3.0 Docker images were released for command box. And so that allows mm -hmm. you to, uh, you know, obviously run whichever version of the engines you'd like, but it does support, uh, 2021. Um, it's done some updates for compatibility and security. But we do want to mention there is a potentially breaking change for some of you that the base command box latest tag is now based on uh, OpenJDK 11 rather than OpenJDK 8. So if you want to keep using 8 for some reason, you want to, you know, lock it down, uh, you can just use uh, the tag in the blog post that we'll share in the chat has all that information there. So you can go find that and uh, it's definitely worth noting because it did did cause a little hiccup on one of our clients, um, but we just locked it down. And then we found the thing and we're like, oh, we'll work on 11 if we do this. And so we fixed it. So <laughs> Yeah, um, it's funny. Whenever you're updated, it always seems like it's going to be something related to SSL. You know, it's always some, you know, Cypher or TLS version. And that's that's the issue we have with, with our client, at least assuming you're thinking the same issue I was. Yep. You know, switch to the, the, the Docker containers using Java 11. And uh, unfortunately, this was one of uh, one of Lucy's servers, um, brilliant, and I say that in tongue in cheek, chunks of code that I hate, but you have something to wrap in a try catch and the catch just doesn't do anything because yeah, you don't need to know what the error was. I'm sure it wasn't important. So there was no way to even know what the error was because Lucy would just throw this kind of generic thing. It was the, the SSL uh, install certificates, which is a Lucy specific feature. So I had to like poke at Lucy with a stick to get the real error out. And it was like, oh, this version of Java refuses to use TLS version 1.0, which we know was being offered by a server we were trying to connect to. That would explain. But that's why we test folks. <laughs> yep. So those Docker images released. Uh, we have a blog post up on autosolutions.com, again, in the show notes and in the chat for those watching live. Uh, so you can find out a little bit more about what's in that release there. So... 
Okay. Uh, speaking of Docker images too, uh, Charlie actually posted a, a blog post today on the ColdFusion forum about Adobe's Docker images moving from JFrog's bin tray. So traditionally, I didn't see that. yeah. So this is one of the ones that um, always threw people off because everyone goes to Docker Hub to look for uh, Docker images because that's where you go. But Adobe's have always been on JFrog's bin tray um, service. Mm-hmm. But JFrog has announced that they're going to sunset that service on May 1st. Are you serious? That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder why. And so so basically, we're not sure what they're doing yet. Um, Charlie did, you know, reach out with a a post a while ago to see if there was any update. Uh, And they are obviously still supporting their Docker images. As Charlie mentioned, they updated all their images for 21, 2018, and and 2016 this last week. So they're still, you know, updating them. They're still going to support them. We're just not sure where they're going to be after May 1st. So, um, but yeah, Ben Trey is being shut down by JFrog. So that's where everything has been since 2018 when they started releasing the official Adobe Docker images. Um, so if you're using an official one, just keep an eye out. Hopefully we'll have some more information there. But if you have the images pulled locally and everything, they'll still run. But uh, the registrar um, link might obviously change once we know where well, they're going. Hopefully they'll just move stuff know. over to Docker Hub, to be honest. Um, yeah. A lot of people were sort of surprised originally when they didn't just put them on Docker Hub or like almost literally all the images in the rest of the world live. I, yeah. I assume that J- the JFrog Bentray offered some sort of, you know, additional enterprise features um, yeah. that they wanted. I, I actually asked... The... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I actually asked someone on the Adobe team. What was it, Emmanuel? I forget who it was. I, I asked him, why did you guys use Bentray and not just put them on Docker Hub? Um, and the response was like they hadn't even thought about it. Like, oh, well, we just looked around and thought we'd use this one. <laughs> what? Docker Hub, where everything is. Just put it on Docker Hub. Yeah. Um, so hopefully they'll just, just put them on Docker Hub unless there's some specific feature they need. Yeah, um, I was wondering if there was a security feature or some, you know, like said, enterprise thing where a lot of Adobe's security team had approved that or something. accessible image. The, the only big difference that was actually annoying was uh, Docker Hub will give you like public download stats of images, which is really handy. And uh, JFrog, they had it turned off. <laughs> so maybe that's why they use JFrog because they wanted to hide the download stats. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm just being silly. I don't actually know why they did that. But um, yeah. hopefully uh, hopefully they'll just, they'll just move over to Docker Hub and it'll be a nice ubiquitous standard yep or um, everyone will switch over to the ordis uh, solutions docker images and it'll become moot yeah <laughs> but i mean there are pros and cons for each of them you know if you're set up using command box and cf config and everything obviously our ones make sense but if you're traditional install and you're set up of the adobe um, configuration process then you know maybe theirs is best for you that's up to you to decide but uh, i'm sharing that link right now uh there and as Charlie said he'll try and keep this updated as he gets more information. And obviously, Charlie's joining on the spot with the stuff, so I'm sure we'll see more blog posts in the future as information comes out. Um, so, okay. So, yeah, we'll let you know when we find out. <laughs> Next up, uh, Fusion in, Reactor. In the meantime, here's the docs to the Ordis Solutions docker image. <laughs> <laughs> yep, well, we already said, showed you that one earlier, so if they want to, they can check that out. Okay, so also had a release from Fusion Reactor. So 8.7.0 was released this uh, last week as well. Um, they haven't put that on Forgebox yet. I uh-oh. just looked at Forgebox this morning to see what the latest version of Fusion Reactor. You, you mm. said 8.7.1? 8.7.0. Oh, no, it is there then. 
Sorry, okay. I my I thought I heard you say eight seven one. So eight seven zero is on Fusion uh, is on Forge Box. Yep, Never so, mind. I take back all the mean things I just said. Good on you, Fusion Reactor. Well done. Yeah. So this one includes things like Java sixteen support, Java fifteen support. It actually supports new cold box Elasticsearch. Uh, That's nice because I I had to dial back. I have been testing on like Java fourteen or fifteen locally. And I had dialed it back to 11 in most places because Fusion Reactor would get really angry in the console box when it started <laughs> up. So that's actually nice that they've added some support in for that. Yep. So supporting right, the Coldbox Mars- Elasticsearch stuff was good. They're improving input, uh, sorry, debugging, logging for JDBC tracking, HTTP Ooh. client tracking, and there's got a few more improvements. And of course, they squished a few bugs as well. So that information is available here on the Hopefully Fusion Reactor release bugs. page. Probably. So you yeah, March. March 25th is when that version hit ForgeBox. So they updated the same day. As soon as it came out. I think they've automated it at this point. I worked with them to tie their build processes just directly into ForgeBox to push the versions. So Good. that's yeah, the way that's, we like it. Yeah. Well, we, we obviously like Fusion Reactor, and yeah, Brad uses it every minute of every day, except when he's pasting links. Unless you. Sorry. Somebody just asked me this morning, does uh, does the command box module for Fusion Reactor re-download Fusion Reactor every time you start, you know, your Docker container? Um, and, and before I was done talking to them, I wound up, you know, copying and pasting a, a link from the documentation. And the answer was no, no, it does not re-download. But it does check ForgeBox by default to see if there's a new version unless you pin it to a specific version. Yep. Very cool. Okay, we have a bunch of webinars and meetups coming up here soon. So the Adobe webinar series on API creation and management had two last week. So on the 24th and the 25th last week. And the next one's coming up on April 28th. So there's about seven, I believe, total. And they're going to be, you know, basically walking through the APIs, looking at different modules, the API service manager and different things. And so that's available. Uh, You can register on their site, which we'll share the link. Um, and if you register, I believe they'll email you the the videos that have gone as well. So they don't publicly post them, but if you're registered, I believe you can get access to them after the fact as well. So uh, check those out. But uh, again, seven over the next month or two. So uh, they've got some well-known um, Cold Fusion community members presenting on it. I think Brian Sappy did the first one or two, uh, but they have some more coming out soon too. Okay, we also had, in case you missed it, so the Fusion Reactor webinar, um, Mikey did one on March 25th. I wonder if he was showing off the new stuff when he did that. But basically five things you should always check before you release your application. And they had the same thing. If you registered, they would email you the link. So they still have the registration page up. I'm not sure if you want to see that. If you missed it, uh, you might be able to email uh, register your email address, and they may still send it to you. Uh, I haven't seen it online yet, unless Charlie knows where it's at. at um, you might just need to go to that page and and try and get a hold of that. Um, if you missed the Autis webinar this month, uh, we had Esme Acevedo talking about Vue.js and my Coldbox app. And so that was a, a good webinar, and we've got the recording up on cfcast.com already. All you need to do is go sign up for a free account and you can see those uh, webinars there. We have a lot of our webinar videos up on CFCast if you want to check those out. Okay, we have some new meetups coming up too. So we got a couple from the online CF meetup. Charlie's been uh, working hard to get new speakers up there. And we have one on Thursday, April 8th. It's going to be a CSS crash course for CSS haters or novices. So Brad, I think this is right up your alley because we know that you and design don't get along, so maybe you should learn some CSS. Get along great, me and my tables, man. Take those <laughs> JPEGs and slice them up and stick them in the table. We're good to go. 
<laughs> yeah. So this class is intended for a complete novice to CSS or those who want to, you know, enough to get by, but they hate it. So this one basically goes to the basics. I'm kind of curious too, like a lot of these things, even though you think you know what you're doing, you can still learn a lot of stuff. So I might have to watch this one anyway, because there's a lot of tricks and tips and like specific, I always say that wrong. <laughs> Specificity uh, is a big thing in CSS and it's a basics, but you really need to understand it. And a lot of people get confused with that. But they will also touch on pre-processes and Jessica knows her stuff, so it'll be a good session, I'm sure. So, and then uh, we have another one. Brad, what do you think of the CB Futures? Because Luis Mahano is going to be doing one about that. CB Futures? Um, I just uh, did some work with those in uh, in Command Box. That's what they're, I thought. Uh, they're, actually, they're actually pretty sweet. Um, it's... It, it doesn't really go by CB Futures in Coldbox. Um, it's called like the Async Manager or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the latest version of Wirebox, um, which has the same core files as Coldbox, has the Async Manager built into it, which has really sweet, you know, threading support, asynchronous support. Um, and the docs explain it. It's, it's much better than CF Thread. It's much better than the Run Async. Um, it's way more powerful, way more configurable. It's basically what what threading should be in CFML and with all the tools that JVM gives you, but the CF engines have always just given us like little, little drops of threading here and there. And it's, it's pretty paltry. So the CB futures really unlocks the power of what Java can do. So command box, the next version 5.3 will have the async manager, which is built on all these CB futures that you were talking about. Um, and I just rewrote um, on last Friday, the, uh, little animation you get when installing packages in command box and you know the logs are scrolling by and the progress bars are going i rewrote that um it was very simple to do using um cb futures to have a thread pool with a little scheduled thread that i say uh spin up a thread and run this will close your 100 milliseconds and it redraws the screen every 100 milliseconds while the installation is happening um and it's really sweet and i think more people would be using it if they knew about it so i think that's a highly recommended um, topic for people to see because Luis has a, a fair amount of examples out there. He has a whole like repository, which I'm sure he'll be probably be using that, you know, has all these like task runner based examples that are, you just, you can just sit there and run yourself. So um, to answer your question, I'm a big fan of CB futures and I've been digging into them myself. Yeah. I, I know that uh, he did a lot of work researching all the Java stuff and obviously it leverages all of that. So it definitely, uh, definitely makes it, up to par, you know, like it's finally caught up to what it should have been doing. And, you know, especially if you're working with JavaScript at all and you have all those powers there already, it's kind of nice to see the same type of thing showing up in Cold Fusion. So, but that meetup is going to be April 15th and that'll be 5 p.m., 6 p.m. Central. So, so check on the times. Remember that uh, the one by Jessica Keener is going to be 11 a.m. Central and then the one with Luis is going to be 5 p.m. Central. So the times do differ depending on the speaker, but we got a couple of good topics there. And for those who are interested in Luis's book, so the 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks, I'm posting a the link there so you guys can go check it out on Gumroad as well. Okay, <laughs> well that, we finally got through all the news, quite a lot of it this week. But next up, we have some CFCast content. So, as I mentioned, CF, um, the Vue.js on your Callbox app presentation from our webinar last week from Esme, uh, that was put out there. So we have that content released this week. And we also have a few more of your call, uh, command box, zero to hero um, 
pieces there too. So module settings, creating custom commands and injecting a service. So a lot of uh, great content there. So can you remember how far through do you think we are on this command box zero to hero workshop? Do you remember where injecting a service and custom commands were in the, in the schedule? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me see. As if we... much as I jump around in my trainings, I'm like, Ooh, and look at this. Ooh, and look at this. Um, that could have been anywhere from the first five minutes to the last five minutes. Uh, okay. No, what? honestly, I, I don't recall. Obviously I gave the training, but I haven't been, uh, the person you know cutting it up and, and putting it here on cfcast yep i mean so, so far we're up to 24 videos um so and it was it was a two-day training it was like 12 hours of training if i recall i think it was a two days six hours a day training so yeah there's a lot of content in there yeah we have six hours of content already i mean they may have just cut a lot of bread out or it might be another <laughs> six hours still coming so we got a lot of good content in that and we're, there's a lot of parts in the training where my eyes just glaze over and i, I say bullet train command box bullet train yes you and your bullet train you could do it speak a week just on the bullet train right will oh man each each bullet would be an entire session oh yeah and then obviously we have more of that command box zero to hero coming up soon we also have a up and up and running with quick coming soon and we also have using docbox series coming soon so we're working on those so some and docbox good just got a big overhaul from michael Bourne. yep sure did gave us some serious love especially docbox, some jason course, love yeah that's um a big one. doc that that's jason not a guy named jason just to be clear um docbox uh is you may remember is a, a fork of the original cold doc library that one of the marks i always forget was mark mandel or mark um escher one of those two had originally created way back in the day. So that, that became, was Mark Mandel. Yeah. Okay. That became DocBox, which now has CLI versions of it. It's we've done a lot with it. So that yep. should be use it all the time. See. Yeah. So yeah, we good to see that coming out too. So, and then uh, of course that cfcast.com, uh, go check that out. And if you, uh, yeah, if you see anything there, like I said, you can buy some individual series or you can just sign up for subscription and uh, there's a lot of great content out there. And there's English and Spanish too. So there's some Spanish content we release. Uh, so if you're Spanish speaking, you prefer to, to watch some stuff in Spanish, we have some of that content too. We, oh. we should like double bill this as like a learn Spanish endeavor. But it'd be <laughs> like learn, learn to speak Spanish while also learning to view, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying. You could. There's some there's some basic HTML uh, courses that they released just recently, and they had yeah. some other good content from our um, CF the into the box of Tam. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. if you log into CFCast, log into your account. When you go to the search page, you can click the little flags, and you can choose um, turn off the English content, turn on the Spanish content. You can see everything we have there by default. Oh, and I'll it'll, show you uh, that. I, I think it'll grab your browser language, and if your browser is set to English, you'll never see the Spanish stuff. Yep. So here's all the so. English here for those watching. If I check Spanish, we will see both. So a few more popped up here. Turn off English. What what flag is that? Is that the El Salvadorian flag? I think so, because I don't know the flags well enough. I believe so, but I might be wrong. They're the only Central and South American countries speaking Spanish. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of content here. So we've got a couple of pages, and I say a lot of them are from Into the Box Latam. But there are, are some other things as well. So, yep. Um, but yeah, just make sure your your flags are turned on or off to make sure you get the right content. So, good tip there, Brad. It doesn't look like the El Salvadorian flag. It's similar but different. I'll have to ask the Maybe it's just CFCast Spanish guys flag? flag they use. What did you say? Is it Spanish? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'll have to Sorry. Find that out. I'm, I'm curious I'm now. Geographically terrible. 
squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. So that's um, all of our CFCast updates there. But now let's talk about some conferences because we got quite a few coming up. It's conference season. So first up, we have some uh, virtual view love with ViewConf. That's going to be April 14th, online, free, and the swag is all gone. So if you missed it, like me, you can cry about it later. Um, it's going to be live video and chat, Q&As with speakers. Um, they have attendee lightning talks. They're going to have a live DJ. I told Luis, we got to step it up. If they're doing a live DJ, Happy Box must go on this year. <laughs> You can just so, make our own DJs, but I know, but we gotta do the mariachi style. So, yeah. We'll so, viewcomp.us. That's the link to to get more information about that. Posting in the chat right now, but a lot of good content there. Um, Redis Comp 2021 has uh, released a little bit more information. So they've now got their sessions online and everything, um, and they've also invited a lot of us to a hundred thousand dollar hackathon if you can use redis so wait uh, so if i can use redis i get a hundred thousand dollars well you can enter the hackathon for it wait do i have to forward this email to everyone in my address book and the tracking codes built into windows 95 <laughs> I, i've seen this one no but the theme of the hackathon is built on redis which sounds like a pretty simple but um they're talking about all the different services they have and i didn't even know they had all these they have redis streams for you know, handling events. Obviously, Redis JSON for storing JSON events. Redis Search, which is a uh, you know Elasticsearch type competitor. Analyzing Stream with Redis Time Series, but also Redis Graph, and then Redis, Redis AI. AI. Yeah, yeah, detecting fraud and stuff. I was like, ooh, interesting. They should use the Redis AI to give out the prize money. The machine has spoken. Yep. So. That's uh, got a lot of people's attention. I've been mean, seeing quite a few people talking about that, but they do have their you know sessions online now, so you can find out more about what they're actually presenting, different things. So, so we need uh, to figure out more about this hackathon. Build on the Build on Redis hackathon, April fifteenth and May fifteenth. One hundred thousand totally one hundred thousand dollars in prizes. Fifty two chances to win. There's bronze to platinum prizes so twenty five hundred dollar prizes twenty thousand dollar five two thousand dollars two five thousand dollars and five ten thousand dollar prizes i'm curious what you have to make yeah like you have to like make something new that doesn't exist due to legal fulfillment restrictions only legal residents in the following countries are allowed to participate this is uh, this quite is a the few though they they normally say yeah excluding quebec oh our quebec listeners were very terribly sorry um you are not eligible to win um void were prohibited yeah, ecuador it's quite, yeah, it's quite a few yeah. so yeah. it doesn't say what you have to build what do i have to do to win build something using redis Something interesting, something cool. I'm curious what the criteria are. It's on this page. Like, right I here. mean, I'm, I'm sure you could build something stupid, like a, like a randomized quote generator or something, you know, but they'd be like, yeah, that's really dumb. In fact, we're going to charge you for wasting our time building this. I wonder how many entries they get. I don't know. Probably quite a lot. It sounds like something fun. So, and obviously that's the month after the the actual hack uh start of the conference so go to the conference learn all about it and then figure out something to do go ahead and do the hackathon so maybe we should see if we can get a little cfml group together someone who's interested i mean because that's one of the benefits now we can use redis with um 
Adobe for some session management, right? And then uh, with Lucy and the Autis extension, you can use Redis as well. But I'm wondering, do we support all those extra cool things that it does? Because I don't know if Redis extension handles all that yet. If not, we could just show them, show off that we built this Redis extension for Lucy. <laughs> yeah, we'll just show them the Ordis Redis extension that we built a few years back. Like, oh, but now we can update it to maybe handle some of the AI stuff or something. See? Do you really need AI, though, just to store a user session? <laughs> well, you can do more than that, though. That's the thing. It doesn't have to be just that. We use Couchbase for way more than just session storage. It'll, it'll be like, this isn't your session, but our AI determined that this is the session scope that you need to use. <laughs> like okay yeah so yeah it'd be interesting to see exactly what how their ai stuff works yep we also have atlassian team 21 um so Mm. this is basically a team building um conference and so you know figure out more about uh you know how to work your team better so a lot of good stuff in here um you know especially working remotely these days and of course atlassian has a lot of tools for helping your team work better together i'm sure jira is right up there too so uh, there is no you in teams so if you could leave please that'd be great (laughs) yep so that one is going to be uh april 28th to 30th and uh yeah basically it's all about getting better teammates better teams start with better teammates and it used to be called summit i guess so and then uh, if you haven't had enough aws content lately with that three week long uh reinvent um aws has another little conference for you so previously they did CF, uh, sorry, AWS summits, which are like online, uh, sorry, in-person free one day events, but now they've got a AWS summit online. This is the America's one. So it's going to be May 12th to uh, 13th. It's free and a lot of good content here. So, you know, they learn about all the new stuff from AWS because they release like 15, 20, 30 new services every year. Um, and they've got a lot of good content. So if you want to dive into um, you know, step functions, you want to dive into S3 or some uh, Fargate or whatever, they have a lot of great stuff there. So another, another conference to keep you busy. Uh, that's not all. We also have DockerCon, which the registration oh, is now There's open. More. Yep. DockerCon is May 27th. It's going to be a free uh, online virtual event, and it's for developers by developers. But uh, their registration is now available. And if you'd like to speak, the call for speakers is open for another couple of days. So April 1st at like midnight is the cutoff if you want to speak at DockerCon. So you can do the call for speakers. You can also register now for free. So DockerCon's always great. Can't wait to have another live in person one, though. They were real fun when we, we went to some of those. So. I never went to any of them. You always went to them with Luis. Oh, yeah. We went to the one in uh, San Francisco. Sacramento. No, Sacramento. That was San Francisco. Sorry. Confused. It. The Catchbase Connect was in San Francisco. Yeah. That's, that's pretty fun. So a lot of good content. And they've got stuff from the basics all the way to, they call them ninjas and black belts. Um, and so those sessions, you get into the details where you're configuring the drivers and the settings and way more than most of us will ever need. Um, but, you know, if you're working it's on It's interesting some- to see if we could submit some papers uh into some topics to uh to docker con i'm just trying to think like is there anything that we do with docker in the cf space that's actually like unique or interesting i mean like we do a lot of stuff with docker but i always feel like we do the same stuff that probably like everybody does with docker so i always feel that way like whenever i'm trying to decide what to submit to a, a conference i'm always like you know yeah i use this technology but 
do I do anything that like the rest of the world doesn't already do with it? I don't actually know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think the command box Docker image is pretty unique where you could run multiple engines using the same image. You know, it'll see if config helps translate settings from one engine to another. Most images are really specific to an engine or a service. Like we say, what do you want to run? You know, it's really good for, for framework maintainers and everything. And I mean, I think that's something maybe unique to, you know, a lot of images are real specific, like, hey, are you running WordPress? Here's your image. Are you running this? Here's your image. You're like, you run whatever the heck you want. Any engine that, yeah, you know. Very... Now, I'm sure somebody out there would probably be like, that's not how you're supposed to use Docker. You should make 50 separate images. But but people can build nice. on top of it. That's the key. I mean, it's a good We are. Our images framework. feel like a building block. You have the ability just to, like, start it and map a volume in, or you have the ability to, like, extend it. That would be interesting. Yeah, um, of course. You know, maybe it's like... If, built these images to be friendly because we're a framework that has to test it in every single different engine possibility. You know, we need it to be compatible, but all the settings need to be the same across engines, you know, like maybe building, you know, something like that might be interesting. Maybe some other people might, you know, learn something from it, but you know, you could maybe say how Docker changed the CFML world, you know, <laughs> or brought a language back from the dead or something, you know, we could run with some catchy thing like that, but they'll probably mm -hmm. think it's still dead. Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the I've, I've, you know, had firsthand experience with trying to get Cold Fusion related talks into major conferences, because as soon as they see Cold Fusion, they're like, oh, pass, you know, so it's sort of cheesy and dumb. You have to like, I mean, Lisa and I have done this with DevNexus. We've both spoken at DevNexus, but you have to like give them a generic title. You know, mm -hmm. and then like Luis did one on RabbitMQ. And then when you get up there, you're like, ha ha, Cold Fusion examples, you know, I don't know, whatever. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of dumb, but if you if you wear the Cold Fusion badge too proudly in your topic description, the there's a good chance they won't select it. Yeah, maybe just say how you know Docker inspired the next generation of tools or something, and then talk about all the things we built because we're working with Docker every day, and you know, I mean, obviously it's got the CF spin, but you know, all the different things we built. I don't know. My session will be. Why Docker Swarm is all you need and Kubernetes is annoyingly complicated and everyone who uses it hates it. That's my session. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I was just having a conversation with someone this morning and they were complaining about clients. They were trying to help with Kubernetes and how it's just so complicated and no one can ever debug it. But hey. Oh, so apparently, uh, speaking of PHP, I don't know how that came up, but uh, Scott said official yeah. PHP Git server targeted an attempt to bury malware in code base. Do you have yep. a link for that? He probably can't post it because he's not a moderator in our channel. Welcome Sorry, Scott. But uh, you can always zap it to us in Slack if you want, Scott, and we can uh, share it or whatnot. But that's interesting. Yeah, I. It, yeah, I remember. Uh, was it a what was it, TED talk? There was something I had seen that talked about a Linux vulnerability that had, had happened the exact same way. Somebody targeted like, you know, an SVN server or the source control server, and they snuck a commit in under an existing user that they, you know, hacked into, and it opened some backdoor in Linux, and it was, it was caught because of a code review process. That's it's an interesting uh, thing. Yeah, that's really interesting, for sure. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some conferences and trainings here. So we have, um, uh, as we mentioned, we've done a couple of Autis workshops and we got a few of them up on CFCast. We have some more coming soon with dates. So we'll do another command box, zero to hero, call box, zero to hero, and call box, hero to superhero. Reach out if you guys are interested in them and maybe we can try and prioritize the, the date planning for that. I know we're, we got them 
penciled in somewhere. Um, but if you have a preference, let us know and we can uh, try and get those scheduled for you. We also have some uh, conference information coming out soon. Um, the call for speakers for Into the Box should be coming out very soon. We're, we have it planned in September this year. So September 2021, um, the call for speakers will be out very soon. And then uh, we'll be giving you more details. At this time, we're probably just doing online only. You know, vaccines are going well, uh, but we're not sure if travel and everything will be opened up the way it should be. So online is the way we're, we're thinking it's going to have to stay. But into the box Latam, uh, December 2021. So uh, we'll let you know how those are happening. We think into the box, though, we're going to try and mix it up this year and do more of a developer week style. Um, and, you know, basically spread them out so you don't have to decide which session you go to. We've spread them all out and give more time for mingling in between because, uh, you know, that's one of the big things people are missing from conferences. At the end of last year's Into the Box Online, we just had a like it's a Zoom session where everyone just got to chit chat and stuff, and that was probably the most fun about the whole conference. So we're gonna try and uh, leave the rooms open between sessions so people could just chit chat a little more and you know and do that do that inter interconnectivity, you know that hallway track as they say. That's uh, really important. Hallway track. Okay, and if you're wanting more conferences because you just can't get enough. Go to comps.tech and they have lists of tons and tons of different conferences uh, online, in person, and uh, broken down by different languages, including CFML. So as soon as we get our dates finalized and our site up, we will be posting them there as well. Okay, so next up, let's talk about our blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. And first up, we have the Charlie Earhart blog about the Docker images moving from JFrog's bin tray. We talked about that already, already sorry, um, but Again, that's on the coldfusion.adobe.com site, and you can get more information. The links are in the show notes. Now, next one up, we have a blog from Ben Nadell, and this was interesting. Did you know this, that the, the safe navigation operator checks both left and right operands in ColdFusion, Brad? You know, I saw his tweet on that, and I didn't look at the post, but my first thought was, huh. That's interesting, but I, I needed, I was thinking I need to look at his post to understand like what he meant by that. So yeah, usually like the safe operator, I assumed, you know, said like if the struct exists, you know, if the struct exists, um, then look for the variable inside of it. But what he was saying is if it will return null, if the struct is not, doesn't exist or the variable inside the struct doesn't exist. So, you know, before you do always have to do struct check key exists, et cetera. And if you have a really long chain, you can have to, you know, do several struct key exists, you know, and then work your way down. But I was thinking that it would only return. So it's, it's basically like the equivalent of the Elvis mixed in with it. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, the whole like Elvis and uh, safe navigation operators and cold fusion have sort of been kind of, I don't know the bastardized is the right word, but they've been watered down a ton to where they're like this, these kind of like super liberal, like we will swallow up any and all errors of any kind within five lines of this line of code. If anything blows up, um, null, just not, right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sort of annoying because they've almost got like a layer of ambiguity about what the heck they actually do. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if I'd really ever thought about that because the safe navigation really the way you think about it is it's supposed to look to the right-hand side. So here's a struct I know exists, but here's a key that maybe exists, but I'm not sure. 
but it sounds like what but we're saying is I thought the safe navigation both. was the op opposite. I always no, thought because like it, allow don't, it allows don't... you to dereference a key in a struct without an error if it's if it doesn't exist. I see, and I always thought it was it did it based, you know, like in his example, he's looking at device model appearance. So I would expect a null if device model didn't exist, but if device model did exist, I'd assume it had appearance in it. But so you're so maybe it's by the I always thought I don't have to worry about did the struct exist that the struct exists in, you know, like if you're down five levels, you don't have to check all five levels. You're just like, does this key exist all the way at the bottom? You know, well, you but, would use safe navigation at each point, right? If yep. you had like foo.com.bar.deviceModel.appearance, yep. you would put, you know, question mark dot at every single level. And at every level, when it dereferenced the next key, it would just short circuit if it got a null, you know, right there. But yeah, because I've always thought it's a big error that it doesn't exist. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess it does make sense then, because like, does well, it exist? Well, it doesn't really. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well unless, it it, <laughs> unless you actually want a null value out of it, which most people use Elvis when they when they want to default something that's null to an actual not null default value. You know, user dot name. If there's no name, then put the text. We don't have a name for this user. That's that's the the typical use case. And so anytime people are like, oh, I'll use safe navigation, there's really no benefit over just the Elvis operator, which already will swallow pretty much errors from of any kind, you know, and just give you the default value if it didn't exist. Um, oh, see, yeah. I, I guess I assumed that, that if one of the pieces above it didn't exist, it would throw an error. Like if the struct that you're looking for a struct inside of didn't exist, I assume the null, the Elvis would throw an error but maybe El not. elvis elvis will swallow errors all the way back like multiple dots which oh. i don't necessarily think is correct but interesting that's why i said in, in cfml elvis and safe navigation have sort of been bastardized a bit to the point where they're just incredibly liberal they'll just they'll kind of swallow any sort of errors even if it's you know because another language is, is sort is more strict if you have foo dot bar elvis default value foo has to exist and bar is the only thing that's allowed to not exist but in, in CFML, at least with both engines, I think, even if foo doesn't exist, Elvis is like, ah, forget about it. I got it. Okay. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything in the left-hand side, hey, here's your default value, um, which is why the safe navigation operator is fairly worthless, in my opinion, in cold fusion, unless you just literally wanted to get a null back. If you're going to default it to something that's not null, you might as well just use Elvis, because Elvis already allows for any sort of, you know, dereferencing, you know, of a null on the left side to just be, you know, swallowed up, which... I mean, yeah. it's useful. It's just it's just ambiguous in what it does. Yeah. Well, that probably brings us to the next one, which Ben wrote before that one was the consuming, sparse, unpredictable, omit empty Golang JSON payloads using null coalescing and Lucy. So basically, this one, he was uh, you know trying to uh, remonolith. <laughs> He's trying to make his monolith uh, back into a monolith after the ah, remonolification. Yeah. My brain ain't working that well today. But um, so basically he was taking the Go service that talked to another Go service that was returning JSON, um, but they had all these empties. So the JSON structure was basically very different every time he got it back uh, because things that weren't em were empty were just removed. And so he was using the null coalescing operator, or aka the Elvis operator, to do that. And so, you know, he worked through this, this Go code. So if you haven't seen Go code before, that's what it looks like. It's kind of interesting. Um, and then talked about using, you know, unpredictable value and coalesce to an empty value. 
And so he uses that in several places to, you know, try and regenerate the structure the way it should be. And so lots of good examples and shows the difference, um, you know, from what Go has and compared to when he did the coalescing. That's just kind of a nice, you know, nice way to use it. And it's, I thought it was kind of interesting to so, see Go because I hadn't actually seen much of Go before. I've used it as an, I've run stuff built on it, but I've never really taken time to look at the code. Yeah, so like if you look at his big code block around line 108, he has a return statement which returns an, an implicit struct, not not an implicit struct, a struct literal. And then each key of the struct literal references the struct he actually wants to return with a key which he elvises to a default value. My favorite way of doing this, which I think is a little cleaner, is I like to use the append function. If I have it, now it only works one level, unfortunately, but if I have a struct which may have missing keys and I want just to pack in any, any keys that are missing and leave untouched the keys that exist, I'll just take that struct dot append, slam in the struct of all my default values I want until it overwrite is false. And then ColdFusion will do the work of checking, do you exist, do you exist, do you exist, do you exist. It'll just lay my default struct on top of my regular struct. And I think that's a little bit less messy. But like I said, uh, it only works for the top level struct key. So if you wanted to do something like recursive, you'd have to get fancier. But that's how I've always kind of dealt with that sort of, you know, I want to default things in the struct method. Yeah, that's cool. That's a definitely good way to do it. But yeah, like I said, I like the article. And, you know, for those of you who haven't used the Elvis operator, this is a perfect example of the way you'd like to use it. So You'll notice Ben's also using a function called null value in his uh, blog. If you're a Adobe Cold Fusion user, you might not recognize that. Um, that is a Lucy-specific function, and it allows you to generate a null even if you have full null support turned off. The, the typical and messier workaround is you see people use JavaCast to get a null, but Lucy, I really like, has that nice little null value uh, function that is just built in and just does nothing but return a null. Yep. Very handy. Yep, for sure. And obviously that when he was dealing with this, the Elvis operator that got him thinking about the safe operator. And that's why he was wrote that ever article too. So, okay. So we got a tweet from this, uh, this guy, Brad Wood. I'm not sure if you know him or not, but, um, Sounds like a jerk. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I, it's an old article, like really old, like April 6, 2000. But, uh, Joel, uh, Spolsky, the Joel on software blog, I, I don't even know where I came across this, but I've, I've always liked this article. And ironically, when I've tried to Google for it, it's been, I have, hard, have had a hard time finding it. Um, but it's things, uh, things You Should Never Do, part one. I don't know if you ever wrote a part two to this, um, but the whole, the whole like overarching part of the article, um, point of the article is, uh, is don't rewrite code. Like the, one of the worst things you can do, and he uses Netscape as an example. I mean, if anybody remembers Netscape 6 from back in the day, they're like, we're going to rewrite the entire go code base from scratch. It'll be so awesome. And that's basically when Netscape went to crap. Um, this whole point is existing code, even if you think it's ugly, even if it's old, even if you think it's you know not very well organized, it has intrinsic value. It has business value. It has bug fixes. It has you know, years of testing and stuff. And so one of the, the worst things you can think of as a company is let's just rewrite this entire application from scratch because that'll somehow be shinier, newer, better. Um, the reality is you're gonna, you know, you're gonna lose market share, you're gonna spin your wheels for years, and you're gonna come up with something that basically probably sucks. Um, and it's just funny because this is an article from like literally 21 years ago. But you know, Good today <laughs> I What's that? It said flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, today, even though you know, you look at it, like the, the, the libraries he's talking about are all like super dated. 
But, you know, you still see people today being like, oh, we've got this legacy code base and it sucks and we're going to rewrite it all in PHP from scratch. And now it'll be shiny and amazing. Um, and it's just it's a really bad idea. Um, and so I, I came across the article and I just read it again because I enjoy reading it. I've probably read it 20 times before. And I, I threw it out there on Twitter because I knew somebody probably needed to hear it. So yeah, go read it. Exactly. It's, um, it's and I, I, I like it because, um, you know, we just got done talking with Ben, uh, talking about Ben the Dell's stuff, you know, and he's, he's got this legacy or this old, you know, cold fusion monolithic thing that his company went through a process of like, ah, oh, we're going to replace it. Um, you know, and now he's going through and he's, he's making it better. He's refactoring it. He's bringing it up to speed because, you know, the, the value they had in their existing monolithic application. And I think that it has a nice, you know, a nice tie in there. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is, yeah, microservices are great, except now you got to manage like 500 microservice relationships and how they talk to each other and deploying code, you know, deploying new code on one of them. And now you got to deploy everything at the same time, like coordination becomes an, you know, an effort. Obviously, you can API things mm -hmm. and version things, but it's just more of an issue than you had before in a monolith. And so, yeah, pros and cons ben, to everything. Ben's blog on that was really good, um, kind of a pragmatic approach to where it makes sense to model to, to microservice everything. So I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Netscape six. Yeah. I remember using the very first like preview releases of Netscape six and they were like, we're going to rewrite it from scratch. And it would take like a minute <laughs> to open up. That's, that's when internet Explorer uh, took over the market back in the day. Yep. Cause there was no, um, they said there was no um, Netscape five. They went from four <laughs> to six cause it took so long. <laughs> so kind of crazy. And then, uh, so next up, we also have another tweet from you, but this one's talking about another oldie but goodie, CFML badges. So there's a whole ton of cool CFML badges that uh, are on the site. So if you want to put these in your build processes and your markdown, et cetera, there's a, you know, a whole bunch of cool little CFML related um, badges that, that he made. I think he's got a ton of them in here. If yeah, you if you scroll to the bottom, there's there like a go. view all or a view more. Yep, so modernizer die. So you got yeah, yeah. I like this one. Was it sixty percent of the time it works every time? <laughs> that, that sounds like something that uh, didn't Dave Ferguson used to say that in the CF Hour podcast? Yeah, something like, like that. Yep. I forget how he worded it, but it was something similar to that. Yep. But anyway, well, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't remember how long ago Matt Gefford made this site, uh, but it's been around for a while, and um, somebody had had pointed it out, I think, in the order Slack, and I was like, I should tweet about this. I bet people have forgotten about it. Yeah, you can just copy and paste this markdown, slap it into your readmes, yep. and um, you can get cool little badges on your uh, yeah. on like your ForgeBox description and your yep. available for ForgeBox, built by developers, you know, built by hipsters, <laughs> Nick Nick beards, <laughs> but we'll call Box Command Box Framework. I only one. have a Nick beard because I haven't shaved right now. I need to clean myself up. Built with swag, yeah. <laughs> so just there's some funny ones out there. Some of them are actually useful too. Is, um, didn't you have the ability to make your own custom one? Because these were all like out of the box ones. Uh, I thought sure. he had a. Scroll to the bottom of this page. I thought he had had a. Maybe I just imagine that. I, I was thinking there was some way you could provide your own text. I have to ask him. Yeah. But I, I think these are all like SVGs or whatever built on the, on the fly. Let's look at it. Yep. Tested anyway, on junior developers. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a cool little thing. And yeah, like you said, it's one of those things that's been around for a while and you just kind of forget about it sometimes. <laughs> look at that badge. Testing. What's testing? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Another good one. We had uh, another tweet from Zach Spitzer about performance. 
and it reminds me of one of the shows my kids watch, like boom, uh, like boom what, or is it bang what? I don't know. I forget. I know what you're talking Liz about. Liz and Maddie. <laughs> it's a show the kids watch and they have these uh, little catchphrases. But um but he was all excited because he made uh, the directory list, list info path five times faster. So instead of twenty seven twenty seven no, twenty five seventy one milliseconds, he got it down to five eighty two. So he talked a little bit about it, but it's kinda cool with open source. You can jump in there and look at something if you're having problems with it, look at the code and figure out, you know why why it's so slow and make it better i know you did that with a few things too so um yeah but. zach's been on a on a terror here um fixing stuff in lucy it's been really nice in fact i just put in a ticket yesterday for um well it was the a bug the thing i was complaining about earlier in our podcast about um lucy you know hiding error messages from me i put in a bug for it and i was thinking about doing a, a pull request if i had a chance and i actually just now looked and zach already uh went ahead and and put in the fix for my tickets. So he's been fixing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yep. Just, just kind of cool to see that happening. And he has been on a bit of a run with that. He's got stuff flying everywhere. I think we even have a, another thing. I'll just talk about that right now too. So he has an update to his uh, performance analyzer tool as well. So I think mm -hmm. this is version 2.0.0.1. <laughs> So uh, now he has a report by file or path. So if you you know you have the more details in the analyzer to find out time, etc., what line numbers, uh, etc., there. So um, he's working hard and getting this stuff out. And so the performance analyzer extension is available in Lucy, and you can find a, lot, a little bit more about how your server's running and you know look at some bottlenecks. So it's kind of nice to be built straight into the the Lucy engine. And obviously, if you need to, get to drill in more, Fusion Reactor will give you even more information, but Okay, I cool. haven't actually tried his performance analyzer. Is it uh, at a stable version or is it a um, a pre-release version? I think it's at version two now. He's been releasing it for a while. Okay. Um, yeah. I know he didn't have a whole lot of features when he when we first announced it <clears throat> a long time ago. We actually had it as a podcast uh, pick for Forgebox. But yeah, he's been doing lots of updates. I want to, I want to look and see if it shows up. Performance. Where's it on the screen? Oh, here we go. Yeah, Lucy Performance Analyzer. Yep, so if you go under your Lucy Administrator, click on Applications, it shows up right there on the available, or the not installed is called, the not installed section. Um, and yep, there's the latest version, 2003. I just wanted to check, there was a, a heap dump plugin for Lucy, which is actually insanely useful when you have a client and you wanted to pull a heap dump, but it's really difficult for them to do it from the command line. Um, there's a, a extension in Lucy when you just click a button, it'll do a heap dump for you. But that one, I, I never knew it existed because it only exists in like an alpha state. It's never mm -hmm. had a stable release. And you have to click a magic little show pre-release versions for that extension to pop up. And I had never clicked on those. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's like a whole handful of additional extensions I never knew existed because I had never checked that box to show me uh, the pre-release ones. So that's why I was curious if the performance one always showed up, but it does because it's a, it's a stable version. Cool. Cool. Sweet. So there was another product update by Tony junkies. So the PDF tools SDK for document services version 1.3.0. So, um, he released his, um, the CFML version of Adobe's Java, uh, sample project. So using the PDF tools SDK for document services to include the document generation example. So I'll share that for those watching. Um, but basically he's just 
got a ColdFusion version of the, you know, the SDK. And so you can get all this here, but it does require Java JDK version eight or above. And it's running on Adobe Engine 2016 or Lucy 5. Um, but, you know, basically you've got so many, uh, so much quota for free without having to get, you know, the paid credentials. You do need to set up a key and everything. Um, but yeah, so he sets it up, gives you all the rundown. So, and I think Ray Camden is actually working on those document services API. So I'm sure if you see Ray's blog posts, uh, if you're watching those, they're not talking about ColdFusion anymore, but he's talking about uh, working with those J Adobe's document services API. And so you can, you know, use Tony's one if you want to do it from ColdFusion. Yeah, I guess Ray's back at, uh, back at Adobe now, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, working on the document services as a, you know, developer. Reading through uh, Tony's relations. readme here, and I see he's using command box task runners. I approve. <laughs> I completely approve. Yep. So that's a good little setup. And yeah, there's some nice tools in there. They do, they know Adobe does do their PDF stuff well. And that API really lets you tap into some, some pretty neat features. You know, if you need to go above and beyond what uh, Cold Fusion does or the Autist extension PDFs for Lucy. Okay. And so last up, we have a blog post from John Clawson and Autist, which is the Docker version 3.3 images. I know we talked about that briefly, but for those watching, I'll just show you what the blog post looks like. So shows some of the changes, some of the updates, what's been added and what's been fixed. So uh, if you need more information, definitely go check that out. And it's also worth noting, I, I don't actually know if Charlie's still in the chat, he may. I don't know um, what modules, if any, that Adobe is including in their 2021 Docker images. Um, but if you use Adobe ColdFusion 2021 um, in command box in general, but as well as the Docker image, um, you get it with no modules installed, which is how Adobe ships their war. So um, in order for you to actually be able to run your application, like if you know using cold box or things, you'll likely have to put some CFPM um, commands in your Docker file, which is, is pretty easy with command box. I've done it myself. I just have a run line that says, you know, CD into my web root and, and you know, box CFPM install and then the list of things that I need. But just a little, a little note on that because the, the Adobe 2021 engines are pretty much kind of like Lucy Light in that they don't come with anything, so. Yep. Yeah, and now some that, of them are now a little that tricky cold box too. Works. I expect more people to be. Yeah, <laughs> doing it. That. Oh, and it, and, it, and this is this is something that Lucy doesn't have. Um, so kudos to Adobe. Adobe has um the CFPM command has an option to scan through your source code and tell you what modules you need ahead of time. Um, because otherwise you end up you know you think you have all the modules and you try to test your code on 2021, which is what we were doing this week on in for cold box. And then, you know, you think it works and then you hit some page you haven't hit yet that uses a CF zip tag and like, ah, I need the CF zip module as well. Um, so if you're converting up to Adobe 2021, you can use that tool to scan your code base. It'll tell you what you need to install. Um, okay, looks like Charlie is confirming that Adobe's Docker images also start with no modules. Um, okay, perfect. So it looks like you're in the same boat either way, just uh, a deployment consideration to, to keep in mind is the, the need to install those. Yeah, and they have that JSON file for the the CFPM as well, so you can install kind of like a box to JSON for command box dependencies. Um, I've played with the JSON file. If it's the same one I'm thinking of, I because I was trying to experiment to see if I could create like groups, like a dependency group that would have like everything Coldbox needed. 
um, I, I had some problems not really knowing if I was doing the right thing. And I think I reached out on the Adobe channel on Slack asking if, if I could get some more input from the Adobe engineers. And I don't think they ever got back with me. So I kind of just gave up on it. Um, but yeah, I, I wish there was some better documentation on how to use those, those JSON files um, as well. Because one of the, there's, a, there's an existing problem we still haven't even solved yet, which is, um, and I'm waiting again to see if I can get someone on Slack from Adobe to reply to me. I don't know if Adobe has a mechanism whereby you can install extensions offline. Because um, at Ordis, we already have clients looking to switch to Adobe ColdFusion 2021, but they have air-gapped servers with no internet access. And it's, it's not as simple as just run a CFPM command. It's like, uh-uh, we don't have no internet. We have to be able to manually download these from somewhere, stick them on the drive, which is something Lucy you know, supports. So, all right, Charlie says, yes, they do. See, I should have just asked Charlie because I've been waiting two days for a reply from Adobe. Um, maybe <laughs> if you can pass along uh, a link to that, Charlie, because I hadn't been able to find that information and that's already a pain point that people are running into. I love the, the, the ease of CFPM, you know, CFPM install feed, boom. Um, but as soon as you have to deal with an air gap server, you need yep. another another workflow. And I, I'm looking to try to make some ways built into command box to help alleviate this if possible, you know, some, some ways for command box to be able to help you acquire these and install them. So we'll, uh, if I can get, maybe if Charlie can pass on that information, that'll help us cool. understand how to do offline installs. Yeah, for sure. Cause uh, I know a lot of those government, government clients, especially they're usually locked down very hard. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. And that's, that's a, a common pain point with all of our, our clients doing that. I mean, cause the command box has the same problem, you know, you can't just run, you know, box install as well. It's the same, same sort of issue. Cool. Well, Charlie got you a link. So that's awesome. Thanks, Charlie. Appreciate it. I'm sure every, all of our clients are asking Brad to appreciate it too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next up we have find a job. So we have uh, three new jobs. This one might be a duplicate here in uh, Falls Church, Virginia for application developer Confusion. And uh, they do actually have a, like, I think they said they wanted to, at least six months of cold fusion i think at least one year of uh, .NET, but they had a pretty big you know list of optional things so um if you're looking for a job that's a good one there and there's one at chantilly virginia as well cold fusion developer so see if get cfmodjobs.com they pull in feeds from all over the place and you can post a job right there as well if you'd like and that's free so uh, if you're looking for a job get cfmodjobs should help you out there so a few new ones and they had quite a few. There's over 66 since December. So, you know, they seem to be piling up. Okay. So next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. And since you mentioned it earlier, I thought we should make that our module of the week, the command box update check. So for those of you, those of you that uh, didn't know about it, like me, I didn't even know we had one, but uh, we have the up command box update check module, which apparently uh, if you have a outbound connection, when you start up uh, your box CLI, it'll check and see if any of your system uh, modules need updating. So that's kind of neat. Yeah. And if you uh, use that, you'll get to see in the next version of command box, the sweet new um, ASCII table. Uh, functionality that Eric um, Peterson helped build into command box. So the list of dependencies and the version you've asked for and the new version and the, the you know, brand new, ver there's like three different version columns. It's all kind of explained. Uh, we're all in a nicely formatted table output now, which is pretty sweet. That's the update and the outdated command are two places we're already using that. 
Um, so it looks pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I saw a little sneak peek screenshot of that, and I was like, ooh, pretty. Yeah, it, it's fun. Eric did a lot of work um, coming up with a little library where you could just hand it, like, you know, arrays of structs, and it would just build a sort of ASCII art table um, in the console. And then I kind of massaged it to be able to use a query object directly and to auto, you know, shrink the columns, try to get it to, to fit in the console. So that, yeah. uh, that'll be coming as a first class feature of the print helper in command box. So you'll be able to use it directly in your command box task runners and your custom modules as well. That's cool. Yeah. It's definitely one of those uh, things, which is never hard formatting in the CLI. So I know you did work pretty hard on that, even with your design skill problems. So <laughs> we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that, that does look pretty cool. Be nice to have that extra feature there. Okay. So next up we have our VS code hints, tips and tricks of the week. So this one is called paste overflow. So basically you can directly paste from stack overflow snippets and from a command palette. So you look for something, click a button, it'll automatically take the answer that was selected and approved and just paste it straight in your code. But that's kind of an April Fool's joke. That's not really the one you should be using, <laughs> but it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but we also have a Stack Overflow instant search. And so that's more the real hint, tip, and trick of the week. But it's kind of funny to have that other one on there too. So, um, yeah, Stack Overflow instant search allows you to basically to, to search directly inside your VS Code. And this is what I was talking about, Brad. It might be kind of nice to have a document search type thing in VS Code for Command Box. So you can just start typing, you know, not sure what you're looking for, start typing, you search it, and then it can look straight up. So that way you can find the find the appropriate stack of equation and, and go look for it. Um, but yeah, the other one we have, uh, like I said the more of the April Fool's one, is kind of one of those funny little ones where, yeah, you can just basically start typing a question in here, pull up the search, and it'll actually just paste stuff straight into your code. So whatever the answer of the day was, whatever gets approved, it'll just throw someone straight in there. Um, but yeah, like I said, that's more of a joke one. So happy April Fools for everybody. But yep, so those are the, the two for this week again. The stack overflow search actually sounds useful. Paste overflow sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> but last but not least, we want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, again, those are those people that are personally supporting our open source initiatives uh, and our, our podcast, Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Test Box, and all the other boxes. And also, of course, it handles the cloud infrastructure and everything that ForgeBox and our package management with CommandBox uses. So as we mentioned, we've got a pretty big uptick lately in Patreon supporters, people going to patreon.com slash order solutions and supporting us. And the reason is because uh, now with the orders community, um, all Patreon supporters have their own private forum access on that community site. They also get a cool little profile badge on their profile inside of the community website. And then if you're a Bron package and up, you also get a Forgebox Pro account now included, and you also get a CFCast subscription included as a perk for your awesome Patreon supporters. So that's Bron packages and up as we start to get some of those extra cool perks. So Brad, do you want to handle the names for this week? I can. I'm just busy reading this article that Charlie sent me about configuring local repository for 2021. Okay, well then I'll do the names then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I want to do it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So thanks to our Patreon supporters, uh, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Perret, 
Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee from Sunstar Media, John Wilson from Synaptrix, Yugesh Mathur, Joseph Lamry, Ben Dell, Brett DeLion, Carl Von Stutton, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Didier Lesnicki, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas J Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma T, Leon Sir Malice, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Stephanie Lange, and Stephen Fox. Yep. Our Patreon supporters, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, and as usual, they're up on autosolutions.com slash about dash us slash sponsors if you want to see them and all their pretty faces for those who have provided images. But yep, it's been a long show, lots of great news, and, uh, and Charlie's giving us lots of great information in the chat yet there. So thanks everybody for tuning in, watching it live and uh, for everyone who's listening to it later. Uh, really appreciate your, your listenership and um, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Happy April fools. Hopefully uh, we don't see too many crazy ones on Google, but uh, it's always interesting when they do some um, of those. And it's not just April fools. It's my birthday tomorrow. So oh. I'll be a year older next time. I'm wow. on here. That's crazy. Happy birthday, I was, old I man. This, I was this close to being an April Fool's joke. <laughs> Jokes yeah. on my parents, suckers. <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. Too funny. Okay, well, thanks everybody for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.